Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, hour number two is here from Nashville. 6th and Peabody, our location. OutKick 360 rolls on with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Shout out to Tyler Castle, Ryan Albanese for making the show happen today. David Reed is the chairman of the board for all things radio. If you're listening uh, in Missouri, uh, right now in Florence, Alabama, Huntsville, Muscle Shoals, Fox Sports Shoals, and the Upper Cumberland with Sports Radio 104.7 and beyond, we say hello to you. Good afternoon. Hopefully it's drier there than it is here. It is pouring rain now for day number two here in the Music City. It's a gull- gully washer here. Do people still say that? They use yeah. that, that term? It's a, it's a real did. gully washer out there today. It is. It's swept away. Um, coming up, the, the dance partner, I still can't. Every time I think of it, I laugh because of all the memes that have been created on Brian Kelly. Uh, he was left at the altar uh, by the tight end who I guess he thought was actually going to be an LSU Tiger. We've got that. We will get into all of the NFL headlines. That's in about 20 minutes with Armando Salguero, the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL. Uh, Hugh Jackson joining in on that discussion with what he is accusing happened with uh, the ownership there in Cleveland. A lot of details coming up with Armando Salguero. That's at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. Guys, the one area that I think kept the San Francisco 49ers from advancing, and really we could point to the Titans as well against Cincy, even as bad as Tannehill was and um, as bad as some of the play calling that we've pointed to with Todd Downing ended up being. Um, Short yardage situations. Both of those organizations hang their hat on it, and there were big moments in both games where short yardage, those attempts failed. And just look through the, the types of games that have been played, um, you know, the fast-paced make-it-take-it games that we've seen between the Chiefs and the Bills, there were still short-yarded situations there that moved the sticks. And the Titans and 49ers ultimately were not able to do that against the Cincy defense or the Rams defense. The Rams, by the way, they failed on the third and fourth and one. That turnover on downs led to San Francisco taking a 10-point lead in the third quarter. But San Francisco failed on a second and one and then a third and two from the 43 with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. They led by three, and that failure to convert gave the football back to L.A., and then that led that drive that ultimately tied the game. And, you know, Cincinnati, for the, for, uh, by the way, three for three on short yardage against Kansas City. That small yardage, which doesn't really, you know, jump out to you on a stat sheet, the teams that... During the regular season, we're known for offensive and defensive line play, play in the trenches, hard nose, run first, offense. Didn't get it done in crunch time. Cincinnati also stopped the Titans three times in short yardage. Yeah, I mentioned uh, that. The week before that, yeah. Well, and it's, it, I think part of the problem is it's not uh, getting too cute 
or doing something wrong on fourth down, sometimes it's when teams get to third and short. Yeah. And they do something out of character, or not, not even out of character, just something a little too cute. A good example is Ryan Tannehill on the keeper on that option play on third and one, where they could have just snuck the ball, got the first down on third and one easily, and instead tried to do something out of shotgun. They lose a little bit. Then they try to go to the old bread and butter right up the middle with Derrick Henry and get stuffed. Um, another example in the Titans game, the two-point conversion, you know, that had no chance from the one where they go up the middle. So right. that balance of doing something innovative in short yardage without doing something too cute and getting away from character is tough. I'll give an example of, of where it worked sometimes was the Derrick Henry touchdown on the direct snap, which was probably, what, three or four-yard line where that happened. But that was something you watch and say, oh, that was good. And there was nothing really cute about it other than snapping the ball to your best runner and letting him running it and it running into the end zone. But I think there's a balance there that those teams couldn't really match. It is kind of an interesting unseen thing, Hut, because the conversation tends to be on, on bigger uh, bigger things, not smaller things. But San Francisco but those smaller moves, things enable the bigger things. If they can move the pile on third or fourth down, they keep possession, right? And we're not... We're not talking about Garoppolo throwing the pick at the end. I mean, it just run the football, which is what they're known for, and they couldn't do it in crunch time because of the Rams' front. And the Bengals have been really good at it recently too. Uh, and that doesn't get talked about enough because we're focused on the quarterbacks and the wide receiver play. Yeah, the big. So play. Those are the big plays that you know put points on the board. But possession, you know, keeping keeping Mahomes on the sideline, and uh, aside from that. Keeping your offense on the field. You keep your offense on the field for, for another chance drives. to make the big play. Right, maintaining possession. And then capitalizing on those 9, 10, 11 play drives. Um, so Brian Kelly with the, uh, the dance-off with the, with the tight end. And what's like that 360? It reminded me of like uh, Red Carpet on E, where they have the 360 cam. This is just so that, they, t- that they tight love end the 360 up, cam. The 360 cam. He ends up going to Alabama yesterday, and I would love to be a fly on the wall as that news came in. I, I made love a fool uh, out of myself for that. I love Lane Kiffin's tweet of that video. The retweet says, "Bro, did you lose a bet or something? Are you okay? <laughs> what what is happening in this video with the little eye move that he does? Oh. Also in slow mo, it is." So cringe-inducing. So I mean, watching a middle-aged man, that? no, watching a middle-aged man dance with a player on a uh, he wanted a turn it, he style or, 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 or you know a turn stage where they're in slow mo is very very. So what's the player odd. thinking while the coach is doing that? You got to be thinking, man, I'm powerful. I could get this guy to do anything right now. Oh, those players think that they're powerful the minute they step out of the the off the plane or in the car. On any campus. I know, but I think there's got to be like a, a points of realization at just how far you could go. Like he could have told him, get down and bark like a dog on all fours right now. He would have done, done it. Well, Nick Saban was asked about it, and he just said, you know, I, I've been known to like to dance too. <laughs> he said, I'm more of a line dance guy or something that's – and it's funny because there was that viral video of him doing the cha-cha slide, I think it oh, was. Oh, for the recruiting for the recruit, But it was home. just on the, in the with home the of the recruit with the parents and the family. Yeah. And he was getting after it with the dance. That's where you do it if you're you know, endearing yourself to a family and you're the coach and you want to do something silly. Like, hey, we want to do the cha-cha slide with Nick Saban. Yeah, you like, do it there. Notice Nick like Saban reception. is not doing slow motion turnstile dance videos with his recruits 
LED uh, while lights. They, yeah, to to rap music on the the what what is yeah. that called? I keep is it a turn stage, a turnstile? It's, it's not a turnstile. What what is it exactly? I don't know, but it's not a turnstile. Is it a turn stage? What, what would you call that thing? A rotating stage? Yeah, it's like a lazy Susan <laughs> that they're standing on. That's how I would describe it. I'm trying to come up with the right. Someone in the YouTube chat will probably have really what it is. Makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it. The uh, the best meme or, or Instagram video I saw was who who which coach can dance better. And it was Brian Kelly with the tight end, and then it had Urban Meyer with the blonde. Side by side. <laughs> side by side, yeah. yeah. The, bl- the blonde. <laughs> they both lose. Yeah. I, I mean, nothing good came out of either one of them. For very different reasons. Yeah. Very awkward in the side by side photo how Brian Kelly starts the dance, <laughs> is facing him. You know, they're not back to back, right? He's facing the player like they're about to grind. Uh, it's. Very off-putting, to facing say the least. The player, much I, like facing the player's backside, is what I'm I, saying. I like, like Urban was I like facing the player's backside. I like imagining Brian Kelly, like in the moment, realizes, "Man, this is really awkward. I'm just going to go with it," and then it just turns into what it turned into. Because if he stops, then he's you know he, he's going to lose. He the was whispering chat. in his ear, "I want to be part of your family." Family. Uh, the champ on our YouTube chat says, "Turntable." I always think a turntable as uh, a DJ record. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I, he's right. It's called a turntable. Sounds right. I'll go with it. Sure, you're going to go with that? It's better than turnstile. Yeah, better than turnstile. Or lazy, or bigger lazy Susan. <laughs> Paul, you uh, went down a Facebook rabbit hole yesterday. I like so, the YouTube rabbit holes. I get trapped in that. Yeah. Um, the wormholes. So, so this guy, I, I wish I could be giving him fair credit, uh, but I can't. Um, so he's at Harvard, allegedly. Um, and he's got bags of money, thousand dollars, and he he gets these these people in. He says, uh, you know, you're a student here. They say, yeah. He said five trivia questions. If you get these right, I'll give you a thousand bucks. The first guy's like, we have people here every day trying to pull this stuff. I don't have time for this. Oh, I want Chad with. Uh, Chad would crush this. Right. He, he's he's begging for this opportunity now, look, to come by. I I got all of them right except one. We'll crush to, these Harvard to, kids. To toot my own horn. Um, all of so them they're right, asking, like, um, one. who's pretty, the vice president? Pretty that standard, kind of stuff? pretty standard stuff. What does WWW stand for? World Wide Web or World Wide West? What was the yeah. first? What was <laughs> the if you're f- a Kentucky fan? It's World Wide West. <laughs> what was the first state? The first state, Virginia. No, a lot of them guessed Virginia, Massachusetts, and a lot of them guessed Massachusetts. I don't know, New Del- York, Delaware. Yeah. Oh, no idea. Delaware. Oh, Reed knew that. I have Reed knew that. that. All right. Did you know that? Chime in here, too. Uh, the first president who occupied the White House. Oh, I James should know James Monroe? No. no. Van Buren? No. no. It, it's way later than that. Uh, Madison. Andrew no. Jackson? No. John Adams. Wow. Which I knew only because of the John Adams series with Paul Giamatti. Who played John Adams with See, I thought it was after the HBO Adams series. I thought it was after it was. There were slaves building it, and there was like nothing around it. He was crossing. You got like, these right so far. Did so you far, I got them all right. That's very impressive. Um, largest state geographically, Alaska. Yeah, people were getting that wrong. It's ridiculous. They were saying Texas, which is really stupid. Largest organ in the human body, the brain. Skin. Good, David. Good skin. Skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, largest bone in the human body. The femur. Yeah, I got that one too. Here's the one that got me. Loudest animal. <laughs> Loudest a, animal? A whale? 
Bachelorettes on Broadway. <laughs> what kind Beasts. of what kind of whale? Susie from Kansas. Uh, sperm whale. Sperm whale. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that knocked me out. Sperm whale. Oh, so but a guy went whale away. Should count. A guy who lost out. A lie. Who, if you uh, missed out on the thousand dollars because you didn't get sperm whale, then I'm I'm disputing that. So a, a guy disputed it. A guy came back to him with it on his phone and had like a legitimate source on his phone that he looked up that said blue whale was the loudest and the guy gave him the thousand bucks it's like hey i like that you went out and found that and came back it's incredible you didn't just write that website did you and uh and gave him the thousand bucks reed in our youtube chat says uh, my rap my rabbit hole this morning was bald eagle's nest live camera streams oh i have seen those those are fascinating because they the the male and female they swap out going hunting and the other one stays and they know it's bizarre they know when when to go and when the other one's coming back they they can't just wait but they you say they leave before they come back because you know I'm they're going to get back no like one leaves or they sometimes they're both in the nest but they know when it's their time to go and it's not every other one either it's it's very odd but there there is a strict timetable to it it's bizarre. So this started out like it's the Chad's guy, nightmare. But like he the doesn't guy, like birds. Yeah. It's Chad's nightmare. This started out like the guy was going to be an ass rooting against these Harvard kids, and the first couple seemed like that, and the, and the first couple Harvard kids were asses. But then ultimately, he's rooting for them, and the kids were cool. And like when they got it, like when it came down to the fifth, sometimes some kids would be gathered around, all rooting for it, and then he'd do it a little suspenseful, and then they'd all go crazy as they got the thousand. And then inevitably. The, the kid who got the thousand bucks would take this big, like, uh, sandwich bag full of money, but slip it inside his or her coat. One of them said, like, hey, we are in the city here. <laughs> like, I love how it's like just straight cash. It. Yeah, straight cash. It, in was, ones. it was good viewing. It was suspense. <laughs> in ones, right outside the club. It looked like it was in ones. I mean, it was a pretty, it was like this. It was like thick, like that stack of napkins over there. We've yeah. got a big, thick stack of napkins over near David Reed, who's obviously very messy. Yeah, so it's, it's either 20s or it's uh, like fives and tens. Now yeah. go outside the strip club where people are walking in. Exactly. And then script say, club, please. Script. I want to see how they do on these trivia questions. So this was basically just cash cab, except you're not driving around the city. I don't know. I've never seen Cash Cab. Well, You've never so. seen Cash Cab? Oh, you would love it. It was yeah, the greatest game show in the history yeah. of the Reed, world. Please, because it was Harvard and Ivy League, that's oh, how yeah, that posted it up. That posted it up for me. Yeah. I want to see Cash how Cab I went toe-to-toe. Awesome. They, ne- they were never doing this at Columbia when I was there. I could have used the cash. Now imagine if we get one of these bachelorette buses that are, you know, these tours yeah, that go to around. We can, oh, please. We can have Outkick 360 trivia. Yes. We're going to dumb down those questions. Write that. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. They're not getting skinned. No. Not who was the first president in the White House. Uh, who was the first president? Yeah. 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 There, there is no way I'm getting, I, I, I would never guess skin. That's the one I would miss out on. I have a lot of it. <laughs> you did well with whale. Coming up, Armando Salguero will join us. Armando's going to be with us next week. Out in Los Angeles. Yes, he will. I'll kick headed to L.A. Um, we look forward to that. We'll chat about all the NFL headlines going on right now with Armando coming up, including the, the latest with the Brian Flores lawsuit against the league. Um, Steven Ross, of course, Armando's down there in South Beach. We'll discuss Ross's uh, response to all of this and Hugh Jackson's addition to the news. That's next on Outkick 360. First, though, FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash OK360 with a great offer where you can go to FanDuel and sign up 
using the code OK360, you bet $5 with your first bet to win $280. And this is a straight money line bet on either the Rams or the Bengals to win. It's 56 to 1 odds. FanDuel.com slash OK360, the offer for new users only. And whenever you sign up, use the sign up slash OK360. It takes you to the page and let that be your first bet as a new user. $5 to win $280. And a hint, guaranteed win. You, your wife, your girlfriend, both. You can split it. Uh, Take the Rams and then the other person take the Bengals. It's a guaranteed win on a $5 bet for you. FanDuel.com slash OK360 to learn more. Armando's next on OutKick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network time for the NFL news and notes from this Thursday. Armando Salguero covers the league for Outkick.com, and he'll be with us in Los Angeles for Super Bowl 56 next week. We look forward to that coverage and uh, always look forward to our visit with Armando every Thursday at this time. Armando, hope you're doing well, man. Oh, wait a second. I got to correct you here, Jonathan. Go ahead. So... Uh, the you he'll be with us? No, man. You'll be with me. Ah. <laughs> All right. So this will be my thirtieth Super Bowl, and I think that I should take I should take the steering wheel on this one. All right. Well, we'll rely on you for uh, dinner. Um, you know. <laughs> Show well, us all the places to go. Right. Tell us how Radio yes. Row operates, please. Uh, let us yes. know all of it. We'd love that. And hand over my uh, Fox News American Express card to, to Paul, <laughs> Yeah, That's right. What yes. I'm hearing is we're going to Nobu uh, while we're out there. That's what I'm hearing. Armando's treat. Nice. That's he's hosting. Yeah. Nobu. <laughs> <laughs> hey, your, uh, your thoughts and maybe the reaction down there uh, in, in South Florida to Stephen Ross's response to Brian Flores over the last 24 hours. Good response. Strong. Uh, he he takes it as a personal affront against his integrity. Uh, and he says that he looks forward to uh, proving that what Brian Flores is saying is not accurate and not true. I have to tell you, when you release a statement that is that strong, you better have all your ducks in a row let me see. Let me find some more. Uh, some mm-hmm. more. You better have all your T's crossed and I's dotted. You better have your stuff together because um, Brian Flores, through sources, is contending that he has corroborating evidence that Stephen Ross not only wanted him to tank, but offered him $100,000 per game to lose. And so. When you have one side saying that they've got witnesses and evidence and another side saying, uh, let's, let's go, let's, let's have at it, he's absolutely wrong. I look forward to seeing what the truth is. 
And Hugh Jackson adding some some detail of his own to this uh, from the from the Browns' perspective. The Browns with a strong response to that as well. Um, and 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 listening to Hugh Jackson uh, on the interview yesterday with ESPN, I'm thinking there's got to be a paper trail here. Otherwise, why would you hop on board with this without being able to prove it? Right. Except that if you listen to what he actually said either he didn't feel like he could explain it well because he didn't or something got lost in the messaging because to listen to Hugh Jackson explain it, he wasn't making a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe I, I, I missed a different time when he was explaining it, but if I'm Hugh Jackson and I jump out there like that, uh, I don't know what, Again, you know what bothers me, guys, with all this is where was this the last few years? Hugh Jackson has been gone from Cleveland for, what, three years now? And where was this? Brian Flores coached two years beyond the 2019 season. And multiple times he denied that the team was tanking. And so now all of a sudden the team was tanking? Um, It's just – it feels a little – Icky to me. Why would you need to pay Hugh Jackson to lose? That was that, See, that was yeah, my I think response. He's pretty to good yesterday. at it. Yeah, yeah, he's done. He's done a good enough job on his own. You don't have to further incentivize him. <laughs> yeah, and, just, and, and also, uh, I mean, as as we kind of go through the tour of the responses to the Brian Flores lawsuit, John Elway was pretty strong in his response, uh, and 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 went out of his way to say that he's completely lying about whatever state I was in because we flew overnight. When I got there, and I was there for the entire three and a half hours and fully engaged, and we fully considered him for the head coaching position. Uh, what did you make of John Elway's and the, and the Broncos' response? Let, let me just say, this is the problem with part of uh, Coach Flores' lawsuit. It's that he is inferring things and, and put, putting those things that he believes are true upon other people. For example, he says that he took an interview with the Denver Broncos and hit in his estimation, the Broncos had no, um, they, they, they were not, they had no intention of hiring him. Well, how do you know that? And how can you, more importantly, how can you prove that in a court of law? You can't just stand up there in a courtroom and say they had no intention, sit down and the jury goes, yeah, you're right. You have to have proof and you have to have proof that could be presented, not opinion. And so it's going to be very difficult for Brian Flores to actually prove that there was discrimination involved in that interview process when unless he has, again, corroborating, solid, tangible evidence, not an opinion. An opinion doesn't fly, Brian Flores. I know it'd be awfully hard to hire him right now, considering that he'd technically be suing you. Um, but he clearly is the best-looking candidate in terms of resume for the Houston Texans right now. We're looking at a guy who's not coached at the NFL level and a guy who uh, doesn't have a very good performance record with the Philadelphia defense and, and uh, was quality control level guy before that in Jonathan Gannon. What do you make of what Houston has in front of it right now? Paul, uh, you don't think Josh McCown is a great 
head coaching candidate. You don't think Josh McCown ever coached is a great head coaching candidate? I don't think Houston thinks he's a great candidate. I think Houston thinks he's a great puppet. I, I just can't get over that. I can't get over that whole process. Um, you know, it reminds me of the New England, uh, we're smarter than you and we can do things outside the box, except that New England, the only thing you ever did outside the box was draft Tom Brady in the sixth round, and that was it. That's it. That's the reason that you won all those Super Bowls, not because you thought outside the box. Not because you did all these other things. Look at what every single New England Patriots uh, roots type coach or GM has done away from the New England Patriots with Tom Brady. Typically, it has not gone well. And so Nick Casario, who worked in the New England Patriots uh, personnel department, now running the Houston Texans, thinking outside the box but he doesn't have Deshaun Watson in the box. That's please, man. It's it. I wrote today on outkick that the NFL may or may not have a racial discrimination problem real or perceived, but it definitely has a moron problem that is absolutely real among its ownership. These people are not smart. They are not wise. They don't handle things very well. They're very good at making money, but the NFL used to be run by football people who became businessmen. Now it's run by businessmen who fancy themselves football people. Well said. Armando, what is going on in Jacksonville? I realize that's a loaded question. You can take that so many different ways, but Byron Leftwich, as of today, has removed himself as a candidate there. They're now looking at Rich Bisaccia. They are apparently zeroing in now on Doug Peterson. And maybe that's been where they've been going all along. But ultimately, it comes down to who's willing to take a job and work with Trent Baalke. And they've had so many that have told them, I don't want to work with that guy. Why, why are they sold on Trent Baalke? I don't think they are. I think that this, this process has... Uh, if they have eyes, it's helped them to see that Trent Baalke is not a popular person throughout the majority of the NFL. Players, coaches that have a choice, have druthers, probably wouldn't want to be in Jacksonville. And one of the reasons is Trent Baalke. I know that coach candidates have balked at bulky. And I get the feeling that there, you know, there's a reason why they interviewed Spielman. Spielman is not going to Jacksonville to work for Trent bulky. Spielman is going to Jacksonville and interviewing with Jacksonville on the idea that he's going to run the Jacksonville Jaguars personnel department. And so I wouldn't be surprised when all is said and done in Jacksonville that Trent Baalke is not in charge, but in fact, it's someone else and quite possibly a combination of Doug Peterson and Rick Spielman. Armando, do you feel like with the Jim Harbaugh situation in Minnesota that at some point 
Harbaugh seemingly had the job and things changed on the Vikings end of this? Or did Jim Harbaugh going into it maybe making assumptions that he was the guy all along and this wasn't going to be a competition in the interview process for the job? What went wrong and what led Jim Harbaugh crawling back to Ann Arbor? There's no one that's going to convince me that Jim Harbaugh was not positioning himself to come to Miami. Uh, it, I just prove it to me that it's not true because I can see, you know, the day after the season ended, Stephen Ross says, I, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to hire Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh away from Michigan. Well, but that leaves open the possibility that you would absolutely be the guy who hires away Jim Harbaugh from another NFL team on the verge of possibly hiring him. And so what I believe is that this whole Jim Harbaugh to Minnesota thing was a ruse of some sort and that it really was meant to end up in Miami and the Brian Flores legal issue, the lawsuit this week, totally derailed that, that Stephen Ross could not then turn around and hire Jim Harbaugh when he's being sued for racial discrimination and other matters by Brian Flores. That would have been a bridge too far to cross for Stephen Ross. And so Jim Harbaugh takes the interview in Minnesota and gets back on the plane for an hour. And when he's landed, he's already back at Michigan. Um, that doesn't, those things do not typically follow one another. Armando, I enjoyed your piece on Tom Brady at outkick.com, uh, including some details about your first interview uh, with young Tom Brady. What, what are your recollections of that interview and how you compare that to the start and then the very end of his career that you witnessed? Well, you know, I mean, reporters, columnists, we're, we're human too. And in certain interviews, people can disarm you, you know, and he definitely did that. I was impressed by his passion, by his enthusiasm, by his boyish, almost uh, naivete. And he was basically reviving what was a, a season that was on the brink. And I had, you know, we weren't to the point where they were competing for a Super Bowl yet, but he was already having won a couple of games. They started that season with Drew Bledsoe 0-2. And so it was very, it was very impressive to me that he had such confidence because he was, let's not forget, in 2001, the only thing I really knew about Tom Brady was that he was a sixth-round pick and wasn't supposed to be starting for the New England Patriots because they paid a lot of money to Drew Bledsoe. And here he is coming into this interview, and the message got across to me very clearly from Tom Brady, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick some butt here. You watch. We will talk with you a lot about the Super Bowl next week during the buildup to the game, but I'm curious, before you get to, to uh, Southern California, 
kind of what you expect to be the trigger for this game for you? What What's the singular thing, if you had to pick one, that's going to tilt this game? Well, the singular trigger for me for this game will be Mexican food. And <laughs> we don't get a lot of it here in Florida. Uh, mostly Cuban food here. Uh, I'm going to go get some good Mexican food. And then when I'm done with that and believe <laughs> It will be a long process of being <laughs> Then I'll get to how the Cincinnati Bengals go from worst to first to Super Bowl in one season. It, it, it's just stunning that that has happened. And it's stunning. They, they are the closest thing. You mentioned the, the Tom Brady and the 2001 Patriots. It kind of remind me of that. And I'm not saying that Zach Taylor is Bill Belichick, okay? I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that Joe Burrow is the next Tom Brady, although that might not be such a huge leap here in the next few years. But what I am saying is that this improbable team that was so bad the last few years, I mean, just I tell you, I tell – 360 on September 1st, the Cincinnati Bengals will be in the Super Bowl, and you guys do what? Say you're crazy, among other things. Among other things. Yeah, <laughs> I would have thought of myself as crazy. And so that is just amazing and stunning, and, and just it bears more study to me. Yeah, I think we would have said, or, you know, we would have discussed and, and did discuss. They're, they have a young nucleus that. This year, as they're winning, we would openly say it feels like they're a year ahead of where they should be. And somehow they have turned that year ahead into this year in the process. It's been remarkable. And I, I wonder, doing some digging and, and layers to it, how, how other teams figure out how they went about doing it without offensive line help and desperately needing to protect their quarterback, but yet winning games. And being one of the hottest teams going into the postseason, it's, it's been a nice run for Zach Taylor and that group for sure. Armando, um, rumor has it, whenever you joined OutKick, you put uh, as a clause in your contract, you do not have to cover the Pro Bowl. True or false? <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, I, I put down a list of events that I, that I do want to cover, and <laughs> the Pro Bowl was not even anywhere. <laughs> My, hey, didn't radio. make the list. Co- covering the game sucks, but covering the lead up to the game is great. Guys are loose and give you time. And yeah, you get the seventh best quarterback in the league uh, in the <laughs> AFC this year. You got Mac Jones playing in the Pro Bowl. Uh, I will be watching. <laughs> Maybe Mac Jones can oh. disarm you the same way Tom Brady did yeah. as a young uh, quarterback no. for the Patriots. No, no. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that comes around maybe once in a lifetime. And, and I'm done. And I picked a good one, Tom Brady. Hey, Armando, uh, we look forward to joining you at Super Bowl 56 leading up to the game on Radio Row and Beyond. And that Mexican food. All right, guys. Sounds great. Take Thank care. you so much. Thanks, Armando. Armando Saguero will be sneaking us into the media party. That's right. One thing I meant if to bring up. they have one in California. Uh, Mike Garofolo said that at least his impression is this has happened more than once. At least one candidate says that Shad Khan in Jacksonville asked him his feelings about working with Trent Balky in front of Trent Balky. 
So he's not getting honest answers because, because people there. are answering in front of the guy that they, they, they're not, not, not going to give a candid answer. For, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. Let's get into this on the other side, maybe. There is, to me, Shad Khan and Tony Khan come across as very smart, yeah. very likable, um, uh, willing to give people within their organization time to deliver, right? You're not under a ton of pressure. But, but there's yet, some kind of disconnect after but that. Yes, but uh, I mean, you've got the franchise quarterback that, it, for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like this hire is about him. And I think that is a massive swing and miss by them. And it, that's before they've even hired their coach. Just I, with all of it, it just makes zero sense. This is like when they had Ray Rice's girlfriend in the room with the commissioner. Same thing. Yeah, it just it it screams not quite of as uh, important a topic, but right. yeah. Coming up, um, we're not covering the Pro Bowl this week. We will tell you about the Senior Bowl, though, because there is some details of what's happening there that will play into decisions by teams, especially at quarterback, where their teams always reach for the quarterback early in the first round. But right now, there's not a lot of great return based on play in front of all the NFL scouts. We'll tell you about that next and Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. So far, two quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl have actually helped themselves this week in Mobile. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Crew's all here today. It's not your typical quarterback class. I would say, at best, there has been modest hype going into this draft with the guys we've seen. And the main reason for that is you don't have that strong upper tier where guys are going to be you know, battling to either be the number one overall pick or be a part of the three, maybe four quarterbacks that are top 15 worthy. That's not the case this year, just on the 30,000-foot view of how news is coming out of Mobile. But uh, two guys have actually, we'll, we'll go into the draft process and go into the combine later this month with a lot to uh, a lot to gain based on what they've done and, and followed up on the Senior Bowl. First is, is Malik Willis from Liberty. He's at the top of the list of those who have risen to the occasion this week. It's been bad weather there. When I say bad weather, they, they practiced in the rain yesterday, and it, some quarterbacks really struggled with that. Willis apparently performed very well. His mobility uh, is what people will point to as a, a key strength. I think there's still plenty to refine in reading on him about the mechanics, uh, about his technique at the position, but you're drafting him on someone that you know you can polish, but someone that has all the athletic traits and the skill for, some, for an offense you can design for a lot of what we're seeing across the league right now. The other one is kind of the opposite of Willis. It's Carson Strong at Nevada. He is 6'4", 220, 25 pounds. I mean, whenever I hear that, I'm thinking Big Ben type guy. He's not very mobile, more of a pocket passer, but he is a passer. If you look up his numbers for Nevada, he threw it over 520 times and he completed 70% of his passes. Like, 
36 touchdowns to eight interceptions. He didn't turn it over much, completed a lot of his passes, only averaged eight yards per completion. But again, um, he was efficient, but not mobile. But he's delivering the football down in Mobile. The other guys have had a lot of issues watching practice. And, and, and I had a dinner last night with a, a former head coach. He was saying, like, a lot of sloppy play from the quarterback position. Some of it had to do with weather. But I think that's fortunate that a lot of the scouts and general managers saw them in rain. I've, I've, I can't believe I'm asking this question. If you had told me three, five years ago that I'd be sitting here with you guys asking this question, I would have been horrified have, uh, because I'm a pocket passer guy yeah. by nature. But is a guy like Carson Strong outdated now? Not And it's not that I've grown in love with the mobile quarterback who I still think has some inherent problems. The question is, are there offensive lines anymore that are going to allow a traditional pocket passer to excel? Because as we've seen the weaponry get great, and as we've seen the mobile quarterbacks get better, what has suffered in terms of the prospects coming up you don't see offensive lines are going to give the quarterback two and a half, three seconds on a regular basis to throw. And then what's a guy like Strong left to do in there? Well, Matthew, going St- to get hit. Matthew Stafford would like a word, uh, one yeah. half of the Super Bowl equation, that it can still work. But how many coming up, Chad? Well, how many of the I, younger guys? I, I, I've always thought that it's just a, it's a great thing to, have, to possess, right? The ability to move, to make a play with your, with your legs, to get out of trouble. You don't uh, have to be Lamar Jackson, but you got to be able to escape. Yeah, well, and, uh, Strong, you, you Strong up, is good in the pocket. Yeah, he's just not mobile. You brought up two guys, Carson Strong, Malik Willis. I'm very interested in a guy that's kind of in between both of them, Desmond Ritter, who has really impressed at Senior Bowl at times, but has also sporadically looked a bit like Josh Allen looked, quite frankly, in the buildup in the draft where he just throws these crazy inaccurate passes every now and again, every fifth pass. You have no idea where it's going. Now, Josh Allen is the exception, not the rule in terms of accuracy. Getting better. But Desmond Ritter has flashed at times, and he's a 6'4 guy who's got a strong arm and can run. But he's, to me, he's kind of in between Willis and Strong in that, and that he's got the frame, he's got the ability to run some, but he's not a, a runner by nature. I, I, the way Ritter was described to me is he's extremely smart with the playbook. And that, that is where Fickle has really helped him. And I, I think that's what you see. But the, the, the other end of it, it's not like he doesn't – and I'm just strictly talking about this work and what, uh, what I was told last night. This week has not been a wow week for Desmond Ritter. There have been some nice plays, but not many of them. And, and again, he's, a, he's with a group that I think you would describe – you could, you could easily put Willis and Strong in this group, too. There, there's not a lot of wow to this quarterback class. And because of that, I wonder if this first round is more about teams that feel like they're a year away from needing a guy. Yeah, you could have teams rooting for that. Well, teams I, celebrating Ritter not having a wow yeah. week. I mean, I, I'm looking at um, Vegas is a good example to me. You know, you've got your veteran quarterback going in the final year of his deal. And, you know, you have to make a determination on car, or you can also have the backup plan that you're exactly what the 49ers did without having to give up 
the farm to go up and draft okay, the guy. Get him high. Or the right. Titans at, what are they, 26? Yes. Who are at exactly. a crossroads, like it or not, with Tannehill. Now, they don't have a second-round pick. You know, right. So there's a big decision. Can you take a, a Ritter at 26 and not pick again till the third round? This is a team that hasn't gotten a lot out of their, their rookies. Um, well, then you you know, but the, can they set themselves up for 2023? The Giants, the Panthers, the Falcons. I mean, there, there are a lot of situations right now where a year from now, we're probably, at least I would say half of these options, you're looking at a new quarterback. And there are also those teams, all of these teams you're talking about, have to be pondering the, the quarterback class of 2023 in this also. You know, are we better? Hey, we like this kid. And a year from now, uh, you know, with a year in our system, he could be a good solution to Matt Ryan, to Ryan Tannehill, right. to whoever. But also... What's the quarterback class a year from now look like? And is that going to be the year that we'll be in a good draft position or be ready to give up a couple first-rounders to go up and get somebody who's going to be better, than, substantially better than this guy with a year in our system? And is that the move to make? Because we know getting that dynamic quarterback is the key. I think there are a couple of guys, though, that teams will say, you know what, this, in this class, this guy can be an NFL starter. It's just not as a rookie. Right, like they need, we need him in the system to polish and get him ready for the first NFL start, and then you draft him with an investment made. There are plenty of what nine jobs open. Plenty of coaches are going to feel like it's time to make an investment and get around one guy moving forward, just like the 49ers did a year ago. Headlines when we return on Outkick 360.